Pastor Joe. And I'm Kirsten. We've served in church leadership for over two decades. And most of that, we've been on staff together. We're here to talk about our faith, family, and ministry. Welcome to Under the Hood. haven't heard part one of this incredible story from Kyle and Renee Coulard, make sure you go back. Last week, we listened to their first part of their story. And today we're going to dive into the second part of their story because it's so much more than what you've heard. So um, let's sit back and, and really be blessed by this story. Okay, so you guys got married, and you're off on a whirlwind relationship, and this family is, this family was formed, and then it wasn't long after that, you guys were faced with a major challenge as a couple. I mean, this is level 10 kind of challenge that um, here you're young married, and why don't you guys talk about that? So we were about two years into marriage. We had um, two sons at this point. Yeah, I started dropping guitar picks left and right. Um, so, and I had pain in my shoulder, so I thought I had a, a pinched nerve or something. I actually think we we're pregnant with Oliver. Okay. Because Oliver was born right when you left the church, but Perfect. it's fine. So yeah, we have so many kids, timelines <laughs> get, timeline gets a little So you're up to four messy. children and one on the way. One on yeah. the way. All right. Yeah. 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 So, um, I did like about a month of physical, physical therapy. therapy. Mm-hmm. And they said, you know, you should be back to normal by now. Um, Because I did uh, chiropractic and physical therapy, and both of those didn't work. Um, So she had had a dream. Not a dream. A vision. Not a vision. Okay, say it. (laughs) (laughs) Say it. Well, Kyle had been having all these physical issues, and I kind of had this moment where I was praying one day, and I was, to be frank, angry. I was just kind of in that spot of, okay, God, like, you know, I feel like so often in our lives and it's very American, right? We love our happy endings and we're sort of like built that way. Like, okay, you go through something hard, then the happy ending comes and now you're going to be happy. The happily ever after. Yes. Like now you're not going to struggle. Now you're not going to um, have turmoil, at least not extreme. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And I think I was just in this position of it it being really hard. He'd been in a lot of pain. Also, part of me didn't even know how to share that, if that makes sense, um, because of... You know, I think a lot of times people don't want to hear those struggles. Does that make sense? Especially Mm -hmm. with our situation, not in a bad way, but people just wanted us so much to be happy. Mm -hmm. Like they wanted it to be good. They wanted God to have answered all those prayers. It's like the fairy tale ending. Yes, exactly. Like, oh, look, and now look how sweet. They're married and he's in ministry and everything's good. But reality was, is he was very, very much suffering physically. He was dropping guitar picks. Um, He was not doing well. And he was in a lot of pain. And I had this moment in prayer where I just very distinctively um, thought, there's something more to this. Um, And I thought multiple sclerosis. I didn't even know what that was. And, um, I had this sort of fight with God, like nothing real can be really wrong with him. Right. You know, going back and forth in my spirit and just very distinctively once again, just like when 
the when I decided to trust the Lord to date him and to get married again. It just felt very much the same. Haven't I been there with you? Like, haven't I always been beside you? Just going back to those words, like, of the Lord, I can trust him. I can trust him even with this, even if it's hard. So I came out, went upstairs. Kyle was upstairs working and just kind of basically said, I think maybe there's something more. Like, it's bigger than just a pinched nerve. And I think it could be multiple sclerosis. And he said, well, what's that? And I said, I don't even, I don't know. Mm -hmm. But it was a very distinctive thought. And um, so then he ended up reaching out to his doctor. Yeah, just primary care. Just said, I think it might be multiple sclerosis. Can I have an MRI? And he's like, are you sure? I don't think that's, you know, let's check a few things. Um, So he just did some basic neurologic checks physically and didn't see anything. So he said, well, all right, we'll run the MRI, but I really don't think there's a reason to worry. Well, I get a call a week later and he says, you know, uh, I have some news. You have, he called it early onset uh, multiple sclerosis, but getting further into it and finally having a neurologist that actually was a specialist, she was like, there's, you shouldn't be walking right now. That's how severe your multiple sclerosis is. Um, which was a shock to us. Mm. Um, so she she was a real big advocate. Like she, I want to say she may have been a Christian. She, I have no idea. God used her definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She, yeah. um, we had our insurance fell through. So I canceled my original appointment with her. Well, I get a call at like seven, eight at night from a weird number. And I'm like, I answer it, it's her. Mm-hmm. She calls me and she says, I don't want you to just disappear. I want you to know you have a really serious case of MS. And I have patients that come in, get diagnosed, and then leave. And then I don't see them again until they're in a wheelchair. And I want to make sure that that doesn't happen to you. So she says, if money's an option, I'm just going to waive my fee. And you can just come when you get here, tell the nurses, you're okay. Wow. She had a, like a two hour conversation with us. Um, and she was crying even saying, you don't understand. Like, I want you to know how serious this is. So she just gave us that, you know, two hours of her time. And we left probably having multiple feelings. One feeling so grateful that we had her. Second of all, so burdened by this diagnosis and the severity of it. Because the first neurologist that we had, um, did not really give us clarification. I remember having to ask him at the end of our appointment, so wait, how many lesions do I have on my brain? And then he literally just sat there, well, let's see, around 25. <laughs> oh, wow. And um, he had given me a prescription to um, a treatment that our new neurologist said that wouldn't have even worked. I don't even know why he prescribed that for you. Um, so her plan of action was let's, Let's do a years long of treatment, the most aggressive treatments. That she put me on Tecfidera, which is basically an oral mild version of chemotherapy. Um, and we coupled it with really strict diet. Yeah. So I went like full board into the like, uh, it's called the Walls Protocol. 
So Kyle would joke when people would say, well, what can you eat? He'd say like, well, I can graze on our lawn. You know, (laughs) it was like, I mean, I mean, I went into it. Like I'm going to just be a good steward over this in the way I can as a, you know, someone in charge of the home and meals. And I, I mean, I cooked easily six hours a day, all, you know, bread from nuts. My mom's a really good cook. So and she's a really good cook too. So, but that means I'm picky because I know what good cooking is like. So, <laughs> yeah. So was, basically, you know, changing your whole diet, no cheese, no, you know, carbs, no, all, no sugar. So I, and I'm really soften the blow. Let's just say that because it was like he was getting gourmet meals, um, every meal. Wow. I was so burnt out on cooking afterwards. Like it, yeah. it was so that, exhausting. So that was like a year, right. Of being on this and. The medication was horrible. It would make my whole face flush red uh-huh. and then it would ting- my whole face would be tingling and that would last for like two hours a day because I had to take it um, in the morning and the night. So after a year of that, we had another MRI and she's like, so it's not working. You have, you know, over five new lesions, which wow. is incredibly, pro- you know, progressed since last year. Um, she said, the only thing that I can really see being of benefit is a stem cell transplant, which she had a couple other patients of hers. She knows us. Um, HSCT is the name of the procedure in Italy. It's basically they, they collect your stem cells. You go through like five rounds of chemotherapy and a bunch of other treatment. Then they administer back your stem cells to you. So they kind of kill your body and then revive it again so like I had to be in a clean room I had um, they said my white blood cell count was 10 average person has six to ten thousand they all were wearing full gowns you know and this was in Italy so I was at home at this point now pregnant again with our (laughs) with our sixth with our sixth baby Claire And he went, because he was accepted to this program in Italy, they take... Only 15. 10 U.S. citizens? Around 15 a year. Yeah, and he was accepted, and it was, you know, basically his medical, you know, like anyone can learn from Kyle, basically. We said, sure, we'll be a part of that. Um, It's it's really strict. So basically they're looking for a person that's healthy and young. They're going to treat you? And study you exactly. at the same time. Yeah, Absolutely. and they still yeah. get my MRIs every year. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but they basically are looking for a candidate who has no visible signs of multiple sclerosis, but a severe case of it. Mm-hmm. So, and you have to be young because your body has to be able to go through those intensive rounds of chemotherapy and not, you know, they have a zero fatality rate, so they have really high standards. Wow. Um, at this particular facility, yeah. but yeah. they give this treatment all over the world. Mm-hmm. Wow! Yeah, it's becoming more popular actually in, in Mexico, um, and in the U.S. It's just the way US, more yeah. expensive yeah. here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, and they've been doing it longer at this facility yeah. in particular. And our neurologist was connected to this doctor, so it's kind of why we went that route. And yeah. we were able to raise the funds for it. That was like a total god yeah. thing. Um, yeah. But yeah. So that was that was crazy because it was three months and it was supposed to be three months in Italy. It turned into four because I had a virus reactivate. Anytime they do this type of procedure, there's a chance that your body can forget a certain virus. So I had a virus come up, um, seen bar virus, which is a normal common cold to some mm-hmm. people, mm-hmm. you know. 
Um, but to me, it was it brought my levels really low. Yeah, because your body so. had no couldn't remember. It was like exactly. not remembering. Yeah, oh, this is bad. Fight it off, and yeah. so and my levels were low. So yeah. low low platelet count. You know, low white blood cell. Um, really weak. So at four months, I finally, they finally gave me an okay. They were reluctant. They wanted me to probably stay another month, but, um, I needed to get back to the kids. You know, we had sold our, one of our cars. I sold my guitar, all my guitar pedals, cause I wanted to make sure they had, you know, the basics and they had enough for food and everything. So when I got home, I literally got home the day before our youngest daughter claire was born we were gearing up towards a facetime birth. did you guys get to see each other during those four months or we did facetime Just facetime yeah 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 so that was it and you were um, in the hospital those entire four months in that facility in a yeah the so treatment a, facility? a full 40 some days in the treatment center like a and clean then, room almost mm-hmm. and then the rest of the time i was in um like a, a non-profit housing for medical um patients and my mom went because they only take you if you have a caregiver. You have to have a full-time pretty. caregiver. Okay. I got home the next morning. Claire was born. Yeah. Wow. Um, I was able to be there. Talk I'm, about yeah. so yeah. much. So you've been apart yeah. all that time, yeah. and then here's your husband, and he... Did he go, yep, right back to the hospital? I know. <laughs> yeah. he, and he was just so frail. I was going to say, were you even healthy enough to no. go to the hospital no. and be there? No, not okay. at all. And our doctors were like, what are you doing here? But he was there. He got to be there and see Claire be born and hold her and all those things. But within... 24 hours of us being home, I he spiked a fever and I was turning around and driving him back to the emergency, calling our doctor ahead of time so they would get a clean room for him. Yeah. They didn't even know how to treat you and yeah. what you've yeah. been through. Exactly. So the average ER doc's not usually like, hey, some yeah. guy walking is he's not. Yeah. And she didn't well. want him anywhere in, you they know, with any yeah. other people around him. They were confused. The nurses were like getting the orders from my neurologist being like, so wait. We have to make sure the room is this clean because it's not like your typical like, you know, chemotherapy room. It you know, alcohol wipes. It's like they had to wear gloves and a suit if they even cleaned my toilet because I was still radioactive. You know, yeah. Now, just a quick thought in here, um, work wise, because you were doing worship ministry and all this stuff. So, at what point did you have to set that aside? Was it when? When you got sick with MS or it, what? Yeah, it was it was kind of so I was helping a church plant. Um, it was Life Center, Spokane, Washington, but they opened up a church plant in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. So I was helping out with that. I was, you know, in pain, dropping picks left and right. I I put them on my like I'd have ten lined up on my music stand that I could just grab. And the pastor was really good about you know being flexible after that it just kind of i guess i feel naturally like it, evolved. yeah it was like a natural pause and we had that conversation of just kind of like we're not cut out for this right now yeah. it's sort of like this moment of realizing your cup is like right. you're in full survival mode and you can't give 
from what you used to be able to yeah. give. Mm-hmm. And I feel like there was a huge sense of loss even in that mm-hmm. of like, this isn't happening right now for us. Well, we yeah. need to pull back. So you're like going full on ministry yeah. to now you're dealing with something that's completely out of your control. Yeah. yeah. And you can't do the one thing that, and I know how ministers are. I was put on this earth for this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I was like, I can't do that. They don't receive help as well either. Yeah. Because they're yeah. like, no, no, I don't I don't need any help. I, I, I'm i the one who is the one here others, to, yeah. to yeah. be there for you. Right. So I yeah. imagine that being part it, of it too. It was a huge shift. I feel like that for him was such a blow. Like I had already lived through being in the position of I'm not in control of my life. Like I learned that young and hard that we can have as many plans as we want, but sometimes life just throws you huge curveballs. But I feel like for you, this was another level of that because he had started working in ministry since he was 16. That is all he ever knew. And then to find out you're not well and you can't provide as a man, that was another level of hard. Sure. Mm. There were so many layers to it, but basically it was just, we both knew we can't do this. We're going to have to find another way to have income that works around us, essentially dealing with doctor visits, all the unknowns of if he was going up or down dependent on the day. And that's what's hard with any autoimmune disease is so many people don't you know, they see you and they think you're fine, but they don't actually know what mm-hmm. it is like to be in that constant pain, the sleepless nights to wake up in the morning where it felt like almost he would have mornings where he's just like his body was so tense. It wasn't even like rest. And when you're battling that in your home dynamic of trying to create a positive environment for your kids, school, you know, all the normal things alongside that. I mean, it was just a lot. So that was kind of like when we made our turn of we're going to work for ourselves and pave our own path around this illness because getting well is essentially, that's what we have to deal with. Yep. Um, that became the top priority. Yeah. So so you went back to the ER and... Yeah. Yeah. It was, um, I think I slept for 48 hours straight. Wow. And I remember waking up thinking it was just the same day and I have like 10 missed calls from her and I call her back and she's frantic, angry. Cause where have you been? You know, I've been trying to call you. I'm like, I don't, I just fell asleep. I don't know. I just fell asleep for two days. <laughs> and Sorry. I couldn't get a hold of anyone through oh, the doctor and golly. they weren't allowing visitors. And I'm really, um, I am not a person who's good. I'm also not good at asking for help. Actually, that's both of us. <laughs> and so he's like, you have our neurologist's number, but I did. I wanted to respect the boundary, even though I had her private cell. I'm like, no, that's like for a really bad situation. He's like, like you when you haven't heard from your I, husband yeah. for 48 <laughs> hours, like one of those situations. And I'm just like, okay, I'm not going to stress because I would get the call right. if he was dead. So he's right. not dead. Yeah. He's, he's alive. He's alive. He's not well, but I'm just, I have to be with the kids. And I had a brand new baby, literally. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I have a newborn, oh, Bradley and Oliver were were two and three. I mean, and you a had newborn. five kids and a newborn and all on your the own. Girls, yeah. yeah, it was just, and we were on lockdown because our neurologist so didn't what, want yeah, what anyone year is this into our we're home. Talking? 
It was wasn't lockdown COVID. It was okay. our personal 2017. lockdown. 2017. Yeah. 2017. Yes. Okay. So our neurologist had basically said, if you're going to let him come home, you cannot be around anyone. Mm-hmm. You do not let any germs in. So we were in full, like no one could come into our house. Biosphere. Yes. Mm-hmm. Our church <laughs> yeah. would drop off meals on our porch and I would wave like... Through. So when yeah, COVID like, happened, you're like, oh, we got this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're like, oh, we've done this before. It was easy. We're like, you guys, <laughs> <COVID's> nothing. <laughs> yeah. you guys actually aren't PPEing correctly. That's right. You want a mask mandate? I'll yeah. show you a mask yeah. mandate. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it was, yeah, sort of our second yeah. round of doing that. But yeah, so we were on full lockdown personally in our home, and he was in the hospital so going through all that. Waking up after 48 hours. Did that help the rest? And Uh, I didn't feel rested. I just felt confused. They ran some more blood tests. I was on the IV. They had to put back in a pick line, which they had just taken out when I left Italy. So we, I was home for another week. I, I came home finally. I stabilized. And then you spiked a fever again. And it went like that for a while. I mean, it was pretty touch and go. He really could have died, but thankfully he didn't. I had like at home IVs that were delivered and then I'd have to like connect it to my pick line. And we had nurses coming into the home because it was better because of his situation for him to be in the house. So it was just, it was such a mess. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, I can't even describe it emotionally. It felt, I felt like I was, you know, when you go through something really weird, it almost feels like everything paused is paused, but everything's moving around you. So you're kind of just moving through it sort of out of your body, you know, like reflexes, like, okay, I'm making the food, I'm cleaning, he's sick in bed, the baby's crying, but you're just in full blown, like, you don't even know how you're going to get through the next hour, let alone the next day. And the kids not really understanding. And that was really hard for him because with the little ones, they didn't know, you know, daddy's not well, he's sick. Um, They felt scared, you know, and the older girls carried the burden, especially Lydia, of knowing the gravity that he was in medical danger. Well, and then the the weight of, I'm sure, I'm sure the thought had, whether it was a conversation about going, is this going to happen again? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So well, especially so, for you as a mom, now yeah. six yeah. kids, yes. and that was, yeah, that was you know, yeah, you too. Just it's a, like, yeah. so when did the when did you turn the corner? Like when was the? It was, I think, about six months. It took six months. Six months after, I kind of went into this honeymoon phase where my body felt like great. After I felt that normal. Six like I was months. like, is this what a normal person feels like? I had energy. I was doing house projects. We were doing our entrepreneurial things and businesses, you know, that kind of weaned off a little bit, but I'm still, um, so a year after the procedure, I had an MRI, no new and enhancing lesions, which is what they're going for. And um, two lesions on my neck had disappeared, uh, which is extremely rare. It is known to happen, but very rarely. So every year now I have a checkup and I haven't had any new enhancing lesions. So uh, this year was supposed to be the year I was going to be in officially a in a wheelchair. Wow. And Projected by our neurologist. Yeah, yeah. So um, for me, it's kind of like God, not only did I think I'd be in ministry again, because I'd come to grips like, okay, God, maybe this was just for a time in my life. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's just time to be, you know, 
uh, a father and have you know entrepreneurial businesses and help when if the need arises to God totally changing things around. So would you know? say is it? Would you clarify it like my worship leading days were over? Yeah, that kind of where you I were. I really was there. I mean, I thought God. I think I had a distorted view of what you had planned for my life. So I surrendered to your calling. But there was a part of me that really longed to be back in ministry. But I wasn't going to open the door on my own. I and, knew that he and had I to do it. And I think, too, in your heart, you know, I always love the verse, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a longing fulfilled is a tree of life, right? And Jesus is our tree of life. But when you're in that season of hope deferred, you really can become sick in your heart. You know, like you're you know, what you thought, I think in terms of doing ministry and leading and being able to be, he just loves being in community, like loves it. I laugh all the time at when we started attending our last church we were at. And one day he's, you know, I'm like, where are you going? And he's, he was going to go clean the toilet. (laughs) I I don't know what he was going to clean bathrooms. And I'm like, okay. On his lunch break, you know, from his pharmaceutical job. (laughs) And I, and I was just like, okay, like that's where you want to be. And it was, it was like during that season that I feel the Lord started really, I feel like instead of you kind of holding, you know, ministry and church, like, okay, that's there. And now I have to be a provider through business or whatever means necessary to provide for my family. And you had this shift in you of, I can do that and provide and I can still serve. Yeah. And and it was like this part of him coming alive again. Like I felt like I was seeing almost a little boy in him because mm-hmm. I didn't get to experience that very long. Because when we got married, it was so quick into struggling physically that then ministry was hard. And it was like that push and pull. Am I supposed to be in this right now? Am I not called to this? Maybe I made a mistake, you know, in how I viewed so much in my life and then coming full circle and then starting to serve again and him just loving it so much and, and kind of being just happy with, I can just serve. Like, Mm -hmm. this is fine. Like if I'm able to serve at this capacity and work, taking care of my family, I'm fine with it. Like, I feel like it came full circle to a peaceful place of just like, I fully accepted that this is what it'll be like. And then this happened, you know, that was so unexpected. Well, not only is your husband not in a wheelchair, I watched this man do a somersault across the stage on purpose the other day. That's right. So he's definitely not in a wheelchair. I think this is a good place to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about your crazy story of how you even ended up in Arkansas. So you guys, in the, over the next couple of years, you went from Idaho to Washington to California. I know there's a lot of movement there. And eventually, you landed in, in Arkansas. So why don't you just kind of pick up right in yeah, there how somewhere. Find, how do you end up in Arkansas? <laughs> from, yeah. So just from all that. How in the world? Yeah. Well, we were in California, and we moved there in 2020. So peak, everything is shut down. Definite culture shock for our kids, because you're talking about kids being raised in the Northwest, predominantly Idaho, and then moving to California, and everyone's very separate, and everything's shut down. And um, 
we were there for a season. It was, it was the right time to be there. My dad was diagnosed with brain cancer. So we were able to be there and help with his end of life care. Um, it was, it was a really important season in our life, but we definitely a year or so into it started feeling just that tug, like how could our kids possibly build a life in this state? Um, definitely for our oldest daughter who's, um, well now she's 18. She just (laughs) turned 18. It's so weird. Um, but she was just looking forward and looking at the condition of the state, the cost of living, um, aligning with our value system Mm -hmm. and it just, none of it matched up. And, and so we were just treading water and we were I mean, treading water. I the mean, the cost we, of living groceries alone with yeah. inflation, it, it was just it so was hard month to month. Yeah. And everybody from the West coast listening to this is going, amen. Yeah. They're, yes. they're, like, they're like, you know, yes. it, it feels like about every third person I meet at our church that's come to check it out. are like, where are you moving here from? California, yeah. Oregon, Absolutely. Washington. Yeah. yeah. And, and I always tell them the same thing. I'll say, yeah. man, welcome to America. Yeah. You know? <laughs> no, it's true. It does. Arkansas feels a lot like Idaho when we, when I first moved to Idaho. Um, so it's similar in that way, except I do say people are warmer by nature. It must be a Southern, Southern hospitality we're yeah. just nice people <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. that is your not we're, we're is just your southern we're down to earth Might down here teeth, but i got a smile <laughs> <You want some dinner? laughs> okay we just offended yeah, half yeah, the state you, right there first time i ever drove through arkansas with kirsten um i knew the church was talking to me a little bit but she didn't know the full stories we we're we were heading down to little rock from kansas city and we were driving through this little town and we were in some construction and right on the side of the road we were at a complete stop and this is like when we think of arkansas this is this is my wife's like there's a roadside barbecue stand with a couple guys you know an overall <laughs> standing there by the side of the road cooking open pit barbecue Probably eating while they're and cooking, and right? there was a big banner they hung on the side of their grill and it said you don't need no teeth <laughs> to eat our beef <laughs> That's what I thought of when she was like, hey, we're going to move to Arkansas. I'm like, no. (laughs) No, I got all my teeth. I love that. But anyway, we have never forgotten that. And it's like, you don't need no teeth to eat our beef. <laughs> and I took a picture of it and I got to dig that out. So yeah, maybe we can put it in the show notes, that. but, but awesome. anyway, so go ahead. Sorry. I interrupt you guys. Yes. So we were in California. We knew this is not a long-term situation. That's going to work. It's not out. your forever home. It's sure. not. Unfortunately, like it was very hard in the way because my mom is still there, although she will be moving here. So I'm excited (laughs) about that. But um, it was hard. You know, you go through that with your family and you're like, okay, I know it's time. God's calling us out. Um, This is the right next step. And we didn't know where that next step was, except that we knew we needed to move somewhere where our kids had a better chance of building their lives. We wanted to find a good church that was like right on our top list um, where we could build community because we're going to be moving away from everyone we knew, which is scary when you, the thought of, okay, I'm taking my family and we're not going to have the grandparents, no extended family, sort of just feels unreal um, for both of us. So we just started researching. We started researching different states. We started researching what was their their COVID policies in certain states. Um, and our oldest daughter, Lydia, found Bella Vista, 
I, you know, she was searching through, um, I don't know how she landed on Arkansas. She was first oh, looking yeah. in Tennessee, then was researching on how uh, Tornado Alley was shifting. <laughs> and then thought, maybe I'll just scoot on over <laughs> into Arkansas. And so found Bella Vista. And then um, we all kind of agreed, like, hey, gets enough sun. We were, you know, we had all these like check marks. Yeah, believe it or not, you guys get yeah, you get two hundred seventy good... days of yeah, sunlight a year. Yeah, all right. God's light people, shines down. Yes. <laughs> I tell people that here, and they're like, "We do, we do, yeah, yeah that's, <laughs> you, you do." And we, that was a big thing. And then I started searching churches. Not long after, I found New Life. And then we started watching you guys online. Oh, wow. So we would actually, we would go to our church, we'd watch your church, and then we'd go to our church on Sundays. And, you know, I'm searching through everything I can find online. They're not a cult. Like, I think they have a good biblical <laughs> it's always to It's always good to establish that early. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, They're not a cult. And I feel like yeah. now the way that the world is, mm-hmm. if you just say you're Christian, that doesn't necessarily mean anything. Mm-hmm. So you don't know if you're a Aligned on is the Bible God's word, or is this just like some fluffy, nice things we throw in the parts we like, we leave out the stuff we don't? Mm-hmm. So, we really wanted to find a good church. Mm-hmm. And um, so, I found New Life, and we both were like, okay, we, f- we feel peace about this, maybe possibly being our community. So, Kyle decided to reach out with a very long email. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think was, you sent it to John, didn't you? I think I, we yeah. several of us got it because I, I remember went, getting it. I don't know yeah. if you sent it to me or John forwarded it to me, but somehow that email I, landed on yeah. my email box. I went into Domain Email Finder and I searched. Oh, look at you. Because I wanted to know, like, who should I really send this to? Our biggest thing is I knew God still wanted me to serve. We just wanted to discover, like, is this a church we could really grow mm-hmm. our roots in? My job had uh, approved me for full remote work, mm-hmm. so we knew finances were going to be taken care of. I wasn't looking for a job at the church, but after I sent the email to John, he's like, hey, you know, this is kind of funny timing, but we're about to launch a second campus, and, right. mm-hmm. you know, I'd love to get to know you more. And That was wild because... A few weeks before that, Renee asked me, well, what do you want to do? Because we have to figure something out. So it's better to just be honest with yourself, right? And I hadn't felt the opportunity that I could be honest because I was just treading water. Like, how can I provide for the family? Um, And I said, well, I guess if you were to ask me, I'd say I want to work at a church again. And then maybe you could have a, a business on the side to supplement income. And so when I reached out to John and we started developing a friendship, I was just like taken away. Like, is, God, is this, is this happening? Is yeah. this really is this real? You know? Yeah. Um, and trying not to get my, you know, feelings in the mix. Cause it was exciting. And we knew we were coming no matter what. Yeah. At the end of the day. And I tell this to John all the time, you know, if, even if you hadn't hired me, we'd still be here. Serving. Still be like, here. It mm-hmm. just, God is here. It, this is where he wants us. That's good to know because there might come a point we need to do the work for free. Yeah. <laughs> you Kyle, never know what, what the future holds. Yeah, we're trying to cut some costs. And... Well, we know Kyle uh, is going to be here. so Exactly. <laughs> now that we've got you here. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. No, I know. I know how you guys work. <laughs> 
that's kind of how it all evolved. It all evolved. Um, On our wedding anniversary, we decided to book a flight out. We're, you know, like a couple weeks out. We're like, well, if we're going to move there, we should go visit. <laughs> and so we timed it with the church picnic on yeah. purpose. Yeah. I yeah. said, look, I see they're having their church picnic. That will give us a good idea of what it's like in their community. And... Um, we left our daughter in charge with my mom too, but that felt crazy. You know, when you leave your kids, you yeah, just are real. like, wow, okay, we're leaving. We hope that goes okay. You know? <laughs> and how often do you get three or four days, just the two of you? Never. Never. Yeah. Never. Yeah. Never yeah. And so we came and we stay at a little Airbnb on the lake and we were, you know, long flights, really wound up. It was on Lake Anne. We got there and we sat down like, what do we do? We're like, let's go out on the lake. We look like such overachievers. <laughs> we were just so wound up. And it was so quiet oh, and man. it was so calm. And you really do sense th- just a different energy in this part of the world, you know, coming from California. It was oh, just yeah. like, I feel like we didn't even realize how noisy your life gets just being in that constant go, go, go environment mm-hmm. and just sitting at the lake and, you know, reflecting and going, are we doing this? Like, are we really doing this? We're just going to pick up and move our whole family here and we don't know anyone really. Yeah. And we Well, did. that weekend you guys came, we <laughs> yeah. got a chance to have breakfast together, yeah. Yeah. which we thoroughly enjoyed that. And, yes. And um, know you a little bit I think better. we bumped into you again. I think you went John to a football game, high school football yes. game. We saw you there. That's yes. right. And then you came hung out with us at our worship services and then yeah. the we're picnic. Like, we're doing and, all the Arkansas things. Yeah, I remember thinking at the time going, going, man, they're really serious about chat. Most people don't go to this great links to check out a church. <laughs> yeah. But um, but then after that, I think if I'm you know just remembering our conversations, you're like, had a really good vibe about it. and Yeah. Yeah. And then the next step, you went home, told your kids about it. Yeah. And, and then we were getting ready to put our house on the market. And we actually put our house on the market, but we came here before it sold. So we straight did the like, all right, we better hurry up and finish the projects. And we're getting in the car and we're leaving and we're coming. Wow. And, um, we just, we really felt strongly like that was the direction God was moving us and it was going to happen and it would all line up right. And it did. It felt very like, wow, we're doing this. The whole time, I think we had moments of like, are we really doing this? Mm-hmm. And even when we got here, um, but it was really important to us to have community and to know that we were going to be in a body of believers who uh, cherish the word of God and we're on mission for living a life devoted to Christ. And I feel like it seems like with how common Christianity is in the United States, that that would be easy to find, but it's just not. Yeah. And isn't that sad? It is. Yeah. I mean, it really is. I agree with that statement, but at the same time, it's a sadness statement. It's like, um, and I, I know exactly what you're talking about where, you know, um, I, I I think progressive Christianity is the scourge in our land. You know, yeah. and more and more churches are going that way, and it yeah. just oh drives me nuts. And and but yeah, so it's not that you can't just you just can't read a church sign anymore and assume no, it is can't. something. Yeah, but yeah. I I hope that 
after this podcast. I hope plenty of people listen to it. And then when they see you leading worship on Sunday, and for those of you that maybe aren't connected to our church, um, it worked out just like you'd hope. And and the opportunity arose for you to come on board and and um, associate worship pastor full time. Yeah. And um, and I know your kids have gotten plugged in in the kids ministry mm-hmm. here and every and and all the things you were hoping to have happen seem to yeah. be moving down that road. And you know I, I tend to have this mentality of Angie ain't seen nothing yet. And that's kind of how I live my life. Like, um, I just like, and, and God's probably going to show us a whole lot more as we get deeper into this thing. Cause you know, the next chapter is not written yet. Mm-hmm. And, um, but we're really happy you guys are here and Kyle, we're really happy that, uh, that, uh, you're on board and, and especially, um, as this West campus gets closer and closer to completion, I know yeah. you're going to have a huge role in, in all of that. And we're kind of still in that preparatory stage, but I'm really excited as how God's going to use you and, and, um, and all the things he's going to do. And so, um, but here you are and, and you guys are doing the Arkansas thing and, and you're established here now and, and, um, and family's moving ki- in. kids happy, ki- kids loving it. No regrets. No, they love it. They, yeah, they, they came right away and we're like, this feels like home. They were just right at peace with it, yeah. and now we have we we do have family coming here. Our, the kids' godparents are moving here, and my mom. Oh wow! Wow! And that was something really cool too that my oldest Lydia just said the other day because it was such a step of faith to you know move forward, go to a new place, kind of reimagine what your life's going to look like, mm-hmm. and God is so faithful. She's like, and look, mom, and our family's coming with us, and Aww. we didn't even plan on that. And yeah. and we are connected at this church. Dad got the job. Basically, so many prayers answered, and some prayers that we didn't even necessarily say out loud. Like I feel like for him, that heart to serve in ministry and um that was just it's just been such a full circle of seeing god's redemption in in your life too and seeing something too where you know we went from the last time we was at a church where we walked away sort of just feeling defeated yep. really yeah well and i i hope that People now are going to watch you lead worship. They're going to get to know you. They're going to listen to this podcast. They're going to get to know you, Renee. They're going to get to know your your kids, and they're going to understand. There's a lot more depth there. You know, oh, there's sure. there's. Um, um, I would not be at all surprised if um, if oh, over the next months ahead, a few people don't come up to say, "Do you got a minute? Can we go have coffee?" Mm-hmm. I, I just think God's God. You know, Bill Hybels used to say, "God never, never is going to waste a hurt." Yeah. And the longer I'm in ministry, the the longer, the more I realize what he's trying to communicate with that statement. God's going to use your story, our story, everybody's story to bless and help others. And and um, and uh, I know that your story is going to have a big impact on other people in our church. And God's going to use it to bring about a blessing to them. And um, I just really appreciate you guys guys sharing it yeah thank you thanks for having us thanks for having us that's all for today's show we want to thank our amazing producer abby o'brien be sure to check out our show notes and the links for things that we talked about today and don't forget to subscribe thanks for joining us on under Under the the Hood. hood not a car show